0: You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month, where you can get extra content, like our Whole Church News segment, where we go over the relevant news around the globe for the whole church and discuss how we can pray and better be there for our brothers and sisters in unity. Job 38 Verses 1 through 7, in the New American Standard Bible says, The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, and he said, Who is this who darkens the divine plan by words without knowledge? Now tighten the belt on your waist like a man, and I shall ask you, and you inform me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who set its measures, since you know? Or who stretched the measuring line over it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? God's getting a little sarcastic there, Pastor Will. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Do you think an understanding of God's limitless power and knowledge could embolden us to pursue the unity that he desires of us a little bit better?
1: Yeah, I think as long as that power is rooted in something else other than power itself, if that power is rooted in love and grace, then then yeah, that leads to unity. It leads to um, healthy relationships. I think what Job is really wrestling with is this kind of question of the problem of unjust suffering. And yeah, for 37 chapters, uh, Job has been (laughs) pleading for for God to speak up. And God finally does here in chapter 38. Uh, But God doesn't really answer the question. That just throws another question back at Job, where were you? when the universe was being created. So in a sense, God is reminding Job of the limitless power that God has and drawing Job's uh, eyesight and attention away from himself and beyond himself, looking at the grander picture of creation, which can be helpful when someone is suffering to look at the stars, look at the creatures, look at what else is going on around you to help frame that. But it doesn't get God off the hook of why Job is suffering and why God isn't using God's limitless power to relieve job of of his suffering and I think that's where the book is coming in in terms of you talk about sarcasm kind of the um, the parody of this book uh the com- divine tragic comedy of this book is like okay god they're suffering why why is that and God never really answers it but um I, I think, as long as that power because there's the love of power and then there's the power of love and and i think within job uh, if it's asking if god's just powerful okay um fine well, where does that get you but if that power is rooted in love and grace then i think that takes you to a larger picture um that hopefully will draw you into a to a other kind of relationship
0: yeah and this these verses also seem to be kind of implying that god's saying he has a plan He doesn't answer what the plan is or why it's relevant or anything, but do you think just kind of understanding that God does have a plan, does that help us any in doing what he's asked of us? I mean, not just concerning unity, just in general.
1: Yeah, I think it does lend itself to if I know that there's a larger picture at work and a grander design beyond myself, then that does that that does help. Um, If I know somebody, you know, I'm going to have a lot more trust in a tall building if I trust the engineer who put that building together, rather how I understand how they put the every little screw in its uh, exact place, Um, I still think, you know, this book leaves an open-ended question and doesn't answer the problem of suffering or unjust suffering, Um, but it at least helps us see a bigger picture and who God is and who humanity is in light of um, who God is.
0: Hey everybody welcome back to the whole church podcast i am the man who exists to introduce the real man the man the one and only your host tiberius one i'm tj tiberius one blackwell or thank, just you. Tiberius thank you thank uh, you i knew creating you was a good idea <laughs> all right uh that being said uh, my name is joshua noll <laughs> it's less important so I, I i left it for a second this time and we are back with our dividing scripture series. And uh, last time we did this, you can find the whole series down below in the show notes. We have a link that has the entire series. Last time we did this, we talked about Satan in the Book of Job and how, what different kind of interpretations there are about Hasatan and Job and Satan and the devil in general. Today, we're going to talk about specifically the history of how it's been interpreted, how different people throughout the history of the church, throughout the history of Judaism, and even throughout the history of Islam have interpreted the book of Job, because all three of them have a lot to say and have built on each other's ideas until we got to where we are today with a lot of different ideas. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, So if you like the show, you should really head on over to Facebook. We have a Facebook group called The Whole Church Group. Links in the show notes, but you can talk to us, talk to other fans of the show, mention things you want us to talk about really generally. I think it's just a good idea.
1: Yeah.
0: I also wanted to do a shout out to all of the many people who commented on our last round table on our Facebook page, um, most of which are negative comments. So that's cool. Um, We had a lot of anti-religious people commenting on there. So I just wanted to take the time to shout out those of you who Whether you were agreeing with us or disagreeing with us, who commented on there respectfully and kindly and ignored those other comments. You guys rock. Yeah. And that being said, TJ, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I have a favorite form of unity. Have I, have I told you about this? Uh, you haven't told me about it. You've told a bunch of people. Oh, okay. Well, well, my favorite form of unity is in fact, silliness. So even when it's just you and I, we have to start with a silly question in today's, I'm really excited to hear you answer first. If a sheep were to follow you for a whole day, where do you think would be the funniest place that you divorce could lead the sheep? Do, do what?
1: Divorce court.
0: What, why are why are you leading the sheep to a divorce court? It's funny. Why is it funny? Just cause it's random? Not no not only did I marry the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, because of, of implications. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. I, I my my answer is somehow less sophisticated. I didn't put a ton of thought into it. I think it'd be really funny to watch a sheep follow me into a giant ball pen and just walk straight into Chuck E. Cheese and get in the ball pen. I don't know if it, like, if it's following me, if that means it would also play with me in the ball pen or if it would just be standing there, but I would find amusement in it.
2: Yeah. That sounds amusing. Yeah. Or a dentist's office.
0: There are a lot of good answers. Dentist office would be great.
2: <laughs> so back in episode 132, which uh, they're no longer numbered, but they are there. You know, you just yeah. count.
0: If you go to Apple Podcast or I think Captivate's website and has the number still, I don't know. But we started our
2: Dividing Scripture series with a discussion of different stances people take over the topic of whether the devil exists and who is Hasatan in the book of Job. Today we're going to look at the history of how different church leaders have interpreted Hasatan in the book of Job. If you want to catch up on the whole Dividing Scripture series, the link is in the show notes. As always, our purpose in doing this is not to settle any debates or give our own opinions but rather to show the differences of the church and ask how it might be united despite these. Joshua, could you recap the three main different views of Hasatan in the book of Job? Nope. Me neither.
0: Good episode. <laughs> uh, okay. So the three main views, um, the book of Job is a symbolic piece of literature. So Hasatan is just a symbolic character. He's not any actual real figure. Um, There's a view that Hasidon is the devil, you know, the bad guy of Christians, basically. Um, And there's the view that Hasidon is just a member of the council of God. He's working for God as part of the divine council doing God's work. More or less, those are the three views that we've talked about before. So what we're going to see today as we see what different historical people thought about this book. That being said, it's important when we talk about the history of how it's interpreted to see the other books – that were written around the same time the Bible was that weren't canonized, if that makes sense. So there are books that were specifically like um, the book of Enoch that a lot of biblical writers used and knew of that we don't even think of as apocrypha, but it was an important work to understand giants and different stuff in the book of Genesis. So it's also important for us when we're talking about Job to look at what other books were written around that time that did mention this character Job in his story.
2: Right. Uh, in the Testament of Job, uh, Job is called Jobab in this book, it clearly states that Satan is demonic in this story. While well, the Apocalypse of Paul tells the story of St. Paul traveling to heaven, speaking with the saints of old, and in heaven, Job tells Paul about his experience being tempted by the devil.
0: Yeah. So, in both of those, it seems pretty clear. Asatan, real, devil, maybe demonic, but definitely at, definitely at least a demon and was what he was originally thought of in these earlier stories. It's also important for us to understand why the Quran and Islam are important to this topic. Um, It's not because we believe in the Quran or Islam or anything like that, but rather Hmm. it's not because we believe in the Quran or Islam or anything like that. It's more that some of our understandings of this story were developed together. We heard something that they said and we said, that makes sense, but let's put it in the correct context, the Christian context, so we build off one another's understanding. So it's always important when you're talking about Job, to think about everyone who has contributed to the conversation. In the Quran, uh, they tell the story of Job and they use it to help justify the doctrine that God wants his followers to suffer for him. You know, just like Job Job suffered. That's why he suffered. God wants his followers to suffer for him. And uh, it's also why God empowered the devil. They also have a weird spin on the story where um, in in the end, Job basically in a fit of rage is like, I'm going to have to beat my wife 30 times. And then God was like... Well, since you said it, I don't want to make you a liar. So here's what we're going to do. Take these really soft things and and hit her with that. So it's like she didn't even really get hit, you know. That's just part of the Quran story of Job. Um, But in Islam and in Quran, they they mostly just view Satan as demonic as well. So uh, when we go to the Hebrew teaching, the Jewish teachings, same reason that they're important is the same reason these other things are important. Well, actually, they upheld that Satan was an angel of the Lord, part of the divine council kind of thing. So that was a little bit different if you look at the older Hebrew teachings after the books of the same time being written. But before we get to some of the other historic characters, we're going to talk
2: about. Right. In the ninth century, a Jewish rabbi named Sadiah claimed Satan was an adversary, but not demonic. Very important. Uh, Hesychius of Alexandria was a Greek grammar expert who believed Hasatan symbolized the struggle of temptation, and Job's sin was an intellectual one, following teachings like Aristotle's intellectual values. Maimonides, a 13th century Jewish philosopher, uh, the adversary is only Job's evil imagination, taking him to a dark place where he blamed God for wrongs being done to him. Uh, he uses 32, 22, and 23 of the book of Job to justify these thoughts which say he draws near to the pit and his life to the executioners. If there is an angel on his side, one mediator out of a thousand to tell a person what is right for him.
0: Yeah. Basically the thought he had was it talks about him drawing near to the pit because Hasatan is his imagination drawing him to the dark side. So he has to become one with the force. It was really just Jedi thoughts. Um, Nicholas of Lyra He's a 13th century Franciscan teacher. We're on to more Christian ideas, Uh, getting to Franciscan monks. Uh, He taught that Satan worked for God here, so Satan is God's helper. He's not an enemy. He's not an adversary of God or man at all. He's a helper.
2: Uh, Drosanides, a 14th century Jewish philosopher, says the evil imagination is Ha-Satan, but that evil imagination is demonic. Uh, Gregory the great and no one else of note believed that, uh, Satan was the devil. Uh, Martin <laughs> Luther. in
0: huh? <laughs> are you're going to explain who no one else of note was. Mm-hmm. He means Thomas Aquinas.
2: Martin Luther interpreted Satan as under them, which to him meant Satan was a lesser angel trying to prove themselves. Calvin, John, uh,
0: believed Satan in this book was the devil. The pretty classic view that we know most of the church holds today. Um, a different view. C.S. Lewis, he believed that Job and Jonah were both figurative books. They weren't meant to be historical. So to him, Satan in the book of Job was more symbolic of man's temptation. Uh, Marvin Pope, we got a 20th century Yale professor. He held that Satan was not a title or a name, but rather a role of the divine council. Mm-hmm. And of course, oh, and of course, DJ, go ahead.
2: Uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, someone we've had on the show before not born in the 12th century, uh, has many books about the divine council and supernatural elements of the Bible and teaches thoroughly about Satan as a member of the council of God throughout the Old Testament.
0: Yeah. And if you were to look up current Catholic teaching on the book of Job, uh, what you're going to come across most likely is one of a few websites where the Catholic Church explains that Genesis 1 does not say Satan and it did not blame the devil for choosing evil for man choosing to do evil. They say that the view, their view is still developing concerning this particular scripture, but there is no necessity to blame the devil for the wrong being done to Job, the wrong being done in the world today for suffering or for our sins. For that matter, you can't say the devil made me do it. You still chose it. The flesh is the main bad guy. TJ, do you think people in search today have a tendency to just blame the devil? Is that something you've heard before?
2: Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Nuremberg Trials? No. What's that? Well, that's pretty funny to anyone who has heard of the Nuremberg Trials.
0: Actually, I think I might know what you're talking about.
2: Could you, yeah. could you elaborate? Uh, you know, it was when, after World War II, uh, Germans were getting tried for their war crimes, and a lot of them were just like, well, I was just listening to Hitler.
0: Oh, okay. So you're saying that Hitler's the devil? Yeah. <laughs> funny. You know, what, you know what it actually made me think of? Um, what's, the, what's the one Santa Claus town? Miracle on 31st Street, is that right? Where the Santa Claus goes to court for, for something, and like, I'm Santa. And they're like, well, you can't prove you're Santa, so th- you can't do this. And they proceed to try to bring the court proof that Santa's real. I want to say this Miracle on 31st Street. Really funny movie. Good Christmas movie. Whenever it comes around, look it up. Maybe you'll probably find it. It's a good watch. But that's, you know, that's not really what this show is about. But yeah, no, I it's- think
2: we do just blame the devil sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, like the devil tempted me. Um, I feel like people blame demons a lot. And, in our you know, we grew up Pentecostal. I feel like you see a lot of pinpointing stuff on demons and demonic influences, which sometimes that stuff's real. Like I'm not dismissing it, but you also have to take credit where credit's due. Sometimes you just chose to be bad. Your flesh tempted you. You gave into what your flesh wanted and you did that thing. Yeah. So what would change if we all started instead of blaming it on the devil, looked more Towards like what the Bible pinpoints a lot of our mistakes on being the flesh of man, our flesh being what's tempting us, our flesh being the bad guy that we have to overcome. But if we looked more at our own self as the enemy rather than just a supernatural bad guy out there, what do you think would change?
2: Uh, well, I think we'd have a lot more broken mirrors. Uh, <laughs> I think we would also have altogether a healthier church, both physically and spiritually.
0: Yeah. And, and there's a balance, too. Like, we're not saying beat yourself up and feel bad about yourself all of the time, either. But there is a point of realizing sin comes from man. Yes, demons are real. Yes, they do influence things. But we have to take responsibility and say, hey, we need to do better. And then how, we don't just decide to do better. We pray. We ask God for help. And then we accompany that with actions. So
2: is this a first, second, or third tier issue, Josh?
0: How we interpret Hasatan in the Book of Job? Probably a yeah. third tier. When you get more like into these other things of blaming the devil or blaming the flesh and understanding where the struggle is, that might be more of a second tier or a first tier even. I mean, if you're at a church that's exclusively saying the devil made you do it, you don't have to feel bad. I mean, that's obviously not a good church. That's a first tier issue. They're not preaching Christianity at that point. Christianity says that we're sinful and we need a savior. And it kind of puts the blame on us, realizing that there are dark forces out there battling over our souls and all of that stuff. So, you know, in in the rare case, it's a first tier, but I feel like for the most part, these are all third tier issues. Is there a tangible takeaway that we can take away from this? Um, yes. Uh, Pray more. Look more at yourself. Don't just blame the devil. Don't just blame God for your suffering, you know. Um, when you look at the book of Job, i don't think it really answers the question of where suffering comes from pastor wheel was talking about that during the prelude of this it leaves that question out there for us to struggle with of why do we suffer why is sin and stuff in the world if there is a good and all-powerful god i don't think we're meant to answer that i think the takeaway is more to realize that there is suffering that sometimes we are at fault sometimes we're not at fault but There is a God that's bigger than all of it. There's a plan that's bigger than all of this to rely on him. And I feel like the tangible thing is to pray to God, rely on him, but also look at yourself, really examine your own motives. Don't just blame the devil.
2: So now I would just like to take a minute to share what all God has been up to with us recently by sharing a blessing, challenge, moment of worship, whatever, what have you, it's our God Moment segment, and I always make Josh go first, uh, because it's funny to me now. Yeah. So, Josh, well, do you have a God Moment for us this week?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, my my brake pad just doesn't exist anymore in my car, so that that was awful. Could have been extremely expensive to get fixed. Happens that my brother's friend's like, hey, I know how to do that, and fix your rotor, is it rotor? Is that what I'm thinking of? Rotator? Probably. Rotor. Yeah. Anyway, he knows how to do all that, so just get the pieces and bring it over, which was, like, a six or an eighth of the cost or something like ridiculous. So I was like, Hey, praise God. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Your brakes have been terrible the whole time you've had that
0: Jeep. I feel that way also, but they kept telling me that they're fine. Now they're very clearly not fine. So hopefully this will fix all of the issues. Mm -hmm. God will provide a lawsuit. (laughs) Inshallah. But,
2: uh, uh, it's my grandma's birthday. Hey, it was a DJ's grandma. A couple days ago. Does she listen? I don't know. Happy
0: birthday if you listen.
2: I haven't asked. So, I'm <laughs> grateful that she gets to live another year. 77. Well, nice. Getting up there, you know. So. It's a good
0: year. Sevens. That's God's number.
2: Yeah. Maybe she'll make it to 777. That'd be sick. I disagree. Or seven sevens. That'd be awful. <laughs> I mean, if you could but, be super healthy. That would be. I mean, yeah. But if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. You could share it with a cousin. If you have roommates... Share with them. Tons of options.
0: Especially cousins, though. Yeah. we really would help like us out a lot. Yeah. Now, if you want to hear more from TJ and myself, you can always go to systematicgeekology.org, hit host. Down in the drop down menu is both of our names. You see everything that we do. Pastor Will was over here earlier. So if you want to hear more from him, he's also over there. So you can check him out there as well.
2: Right. And head on over to our Patreon. Give us a couple of dollars. And uh, you get access to a bunch of cool content, like our Whole Church News segment, where we just talk about what's been going on in the church worldwide over the past month. So I like that one. It's all right. It's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Coming up, we'll be interviewing Chad M. Mansbridge, a pastor of Bayside Church in Southern Australia, about his book, You Can Handle the Truth. Then we'll be having another roundtable discussion, this time talking about where we should sit with people and acknowledge their pain as real and when we should or shouldn't contextualize the truth. After that, we will interview Dr. David Woodcomb about a book he is writing on his father's contribution to young Earth creationism and his own research with genetic sciences. Then at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us for the show.
0: He he doesn't know that yet, but I'm sure he'll figure it out.
2: Yeah. Maybe he just really doesn't like season twos, so he's not going to be on the show.
0: Yeah. Just avoiding it because he's like, I really like this season one, but he yeah. needs to keep going. Yeah, we should <laughs> That's ask. why he's not on yet. Check this out. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Remember, you can always sponsor our show for $3 a month at patreon.com. Coming up next week, we will have another roundtable discussion, figuring out when we should just sit with someone's hurt instead of arguing to them what is or is not true.